0: Uh, uh, fine having a lovely morning Um, and listeners um,
1: are the birds singing has the coffee been drunk uh,
0: both uh, uh, events have occurred (laughs) then it's a good morning isn't it today we're going
1: to our new to the next yes Uh, uh, department
0: yeah listeners uh, 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 we are continuing our series on cabinet departments within the united states federal government um, and we are starting a new one. Um, I think one that is kind of sort of near and dear to uh, 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 both me and Nia, uh, because we both grew up in rural rural America, and uh, both of us have family connections to farming and agriculture.
1: Yep, um, and truth be told, a hundred years ago, everybody Well, 200 years ago, everybody had connections to farming and agriculture because, um, you know, 100 years ago or 200, actually 200 years ago when this became a thing, and it wasn't quite a thing yet. But but when the first founding of the country, I guess is what I'm getting at, everybody was agrarian pretty much. You had some number of people, a small number of people living in cities, but really for the most part, wasn't pretty much everybody a farmer?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, historically, even as recently as the 1920s, so about 100 years ago, uh, nearly a quarter of all Americans had um, some sort of employment that was um, derived from or rooted in agriculture.
1: And then probably a whole bunch more had gardens and
0: yeah. So I mean, uh, um,
1: I mean, victory gardens, right? Which we did in World War II.
0: That's right. Where,
1: you know, we needed to, you need to raise your own food as much as you could to try to, but that's not where it all begins.
0: No. Um, So in regards to the Department of Agriculture, um, um, and and we kind of sort of talk about this with each of the departments, um, its broad mission uh, focuses on farming, forestry, rural economic development, and since the 1960s, food. Okay, um, so and we'll talk about food in more detail in just a moment. Um, it has uh, a budget. In um, the most recent figure I was able to get is since the uh, uh, the midway point through the Trump administration, it has a budget of uh, a little over 140 billion dollars. So it's not nearly, you know, the largest. Okay. It doesn't have the largest budget of the cabinet departments. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, by no stretch, right? <laughs> um, and eighty percent of that um, uh, is root, uh, is devoted to a program that me and I talked about in a previous podcast episode, uh, which is SNAP, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, uh, which used to be known as
1: uh, food stamps food
0: stamps. Yep.
1: And they were actually little stamps that stamps. you licked and attached to a thing that you gave the grocer when you paid.
0: Yeah. A, a and you more. got
1: you got change in food stamps like yes. there were five cent and ten cent change um, food stamps and like and the denominations of the stamps were dollar fifty cent. I can't remember all of the denominations but you could actually get paid back in food stamps your yes. change back and then yep. you could hoard those up I only remember because um, I remember seeing them as a kid in in one cent increments that occasionally were given to me by people in my family who were who were users of food stamps yes. as a you can go buy a penny candy and you could you could go buy a penny candy with one yeah um
0: which it, it, I it, think
1: now there's prohibitions against maybe candy i don't know if actually they allow candy or not but
0: it is a well-regulated program and we're going to talk about that later in the episode but the snap program uh listeners once again i'm going to make reference to this is a is an example of cooperative federalism because the federal government um has created this program but they allocate the money to the states and the states Okay, using federal eligibility requirements determine who is eligible to receive um, SNAP and the states actually administer the program. And that's an example of cooperative federalism. All right. Um,
1: Ah, sorry, I was looking for a number. So if you're, sorry, that's why I was briefly quiet there for a moment. So Augie told us that the agriculture budget roughly 140 billion. That's
0: about a billion dollars, billion, yeah.
1: The defense budget, in case you were wondering, for a similar time period, uh, 731.8 billion, billion. dollars. Yep. Yes. So one seventh, well, not quite, one sixth, sixth. of the budget of defense is in, spent in, on the Department in the, of Agriculture.
0: In the, if that gives about...
1: you a measure of size of budget, when Augie and I say $141 billion, that's hardly anything, right? Like, it's only in term. I mean, if somebody gave Augie and I $141 billion, we would be delighted, happy, and dancing in the streets. <laughs> it's not that we don't think that's a large amount of money for an individual, but when you think of it in, in terms of departments and or people affected and Augie's going to give you a phrase that was used to describe the uh, the agriculture department by Lincoln right wasn't it Lincoln uh, who who called it the people's department
0: yes yeah um
1: which you had in your notes and I love that right because yeah.
0: yep he, reported- he really
1: was talking to the people because in his day the people were agriculturally minded. Well,
0: and also before we get to uh, the Lincoln quote, the reason why Nia and I mention, you know, size of budgets um in the in their the size of a budget for a department, um there are you know, two points of measurement here. Nia just gave you a comparison to the Department of Defense and Nia, you and I have talked about this before. A government's budget is a statement of priorities. Right. So it's a reflection of perhaps, and this is one of the criticisms of the federal government budget, is that at times the federal government's budget priorities are out of whack. We spend more on defense than we do on agriculture. Okay. But the other thing to take note of is the size of a budget, of a department's budget, kind of sort of reflects its importance politically because that's the way departments compare themselves, right? It's right. a it's a unit of measurement, right? You know, it's kind of sort of like keeping up with the Joneses in your neighborhood, right? Okay. The Joneses have a really nice house and three cars, And they just, you know, uh, got a swimming pool. You know, what do we have, right? (laughs) Right. We have a house that's three quarters the size. Uh, We have a car that's, you know, frequently in the shop. And the only pool that we are familiar with is when it rains really hard and there is a big puddle of water in our backyard. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. But politically, that's important in regards to bureaucratic
1: politics. And, and, and Augie's exactly right about importance. Uh, just as a side note, the department, I shouldn't say, def- I'm, I'm calling out defense, but actually Treasury has larger spending and, and HUD, Health and Human Cert- well. Sorry, it's not called HUD anymore. That tells you how old I am. Yeah. Um, Health and Human Services has more spending, but then defense and then social security and then agriculture. Yeah. So our food is fifth. But if yeah. you ask somebody about their personal priorities, food is probably number one or number two.
0: Yeah. If you but it's it-
1: interesting that shelter, which is HHS, is number two in the governmental budget and food is number five. In the governmental budget, instead of being maybe one and two. Yeah. I don't know. But in capitalism, I guess it makes sense that treasury is the. Well, I mean,
0: but but also think about it in terms of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Food and shelter are actually, you know, two of the most basic needs you have. So before you can become a self-actualized human being, you need to be able to go ahead and feed yourself. Right. Okay. And have shelter. Okay. Right. But if you think about it in terms of the federal government budget.
1: Yeah. 26% is treasury. 22% is HHS. 14% is defense. Then we drop to 9% for social security. Then we drop precipitously to 3% for agriculture. Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. after that, it just starts to get smaller and smaller and smaller. By the way,
0: listeners, social security is not a cabinet department and it's budget. And its budget is locked, meaning uh, none of its monies can be spent on any program other than those within Social Security. Okay.
1: Oh, that's a fair point. Okay. It's, but let's go back. But to, anyway.
0: Yeah, let's go back to the USDA, the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Um, now, we spend a lot of time talking about the history of how these departments um, arose and were created this one has one of the most tortured histories, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, your notes, this is really interesting to me.
0: Okay, Um, because it was first a part of the patent office, okay? And when I came across that, I was just like, what was agriculture doing in the patent office? But it kind of sort of makes sense because... Officials in the federal government were long interested in new and improved varieties of seeds, plants, and animals for import into the United States.
1: Right. And if you can make a seed that will survive in a certain area that wasn't surviving there before, you would want to patent it because you'd want to sell it. Yes. I mean, this is long before the giant evil that is Monsanto, but... um, and Monsanto, if you're listening, you're evil. There you go. That's my opinion. <laughs> and you can try to sue me over it. Um, but but that the the sort of that makes sense that it would be the commercial aspect of it first, considering that again, capitalism, right? Considering that the United States is built on this idea of yes. Of being able to have a great idea and then profit from it in some way.
0: Yeah, you know, you you develop a new idea, uh, you get funding to manufacture it, and then you sell it. Okay. Right. Uh, but again, you know, that's one of the purposes of of in the United States uh, Constitution, Congress having the authority to recognize patents for inventions, creations, etc. I mean, it's part and parcel of a capitalist economy. Yeah. And
1: I adore that they also allotted $1,000 to this group for the, quote, collection of agricultural statistics and other agricultural purposes. Yes. I like how, uh, end quote, I like how in every single allotment, act, whatever, there is and other stuff as it applies yes. right like there's always a wiggle phrase yes that allows but but what we get when we get agricultural statistics is now we have those going back to 1839 we have those as a body of And it's really, if you ever get a chance to, I know I'm about to sound like a complete goob, but if you ever get a chance to go back and look at the agricultural annual, right, the annual statistics area, it's really interesting. It's interesting to see what crops go in and out of favor. Yes. It's interesting to see where they go in and out of favor, right? Because if you think that fashion has trends or you think movies have <laughs> trends or music yes. has trends, so does agriculture. Yes. Like a whole bunch of people in an area, some guy will start planting soybeans and then everybody's like, oh, I them like soybeans. That seems to work pretty well around here. And then they want to grow soybeans. And then pretty soon everybody's growing soybeans. And that first guy's like, mm, I got to get out of soybeans because now my price has gone down. But it's a but it's an interesting or they find something that grows really well in an area and they didn't think it was going to and now it's this totally awesome thing. So that those statistics are and they also talk to you about uh, every year about how many people are employed in the in, in the agricultural
0: in the industry yes in the
1: industry and yes. and all of those kinds of changes um, and. Those statistics also gather things like um, innovations and other stuff when you figure out crop rotation or you figure out some other something or the makeup of the nitrogen that has to go back into the soil. All that kind of stuff is in the agricultural statistics and almost every depository library has them. They are also online online. At least some of the years. they don't I don't think they go back that far online. Oh, no, but um but they are being digitized slowly because there there are um, libraries whose job it is to do that sort of thing, and they're working on that.
0: And these statistics really do track how farming has changed in the United States um, in in many significant ways. Um, and it really gives you an idea of the importance of technology and inventions in making mass agriculture uh, more of a, if you will, cost-efficient enterprise, okay? Um, So this is
1: 1839. They're part of the patent office and everything's fine. And then 10 years later...
0: Okay. Um, The patent office was transferred to the Department of the Interior,
1: okay? (laughs) Because we get a Department of Interior. Like we didn't have one before that, right? So we get a little bit of a reorganization. And as we talked about in the previous episode, we get the Department of Interior. And then somebody says, hey, you know what belongs in the Department of Interior? All these ag people.
0: Well, then the ag people begin to um, uh, make some noise about getting out of interior. Because remember, (laughs) in our previous podcast episode, the Department of the Interior for an extensive period of time was the, the department of everything else. Right. Right. So it was very easy for the ag folks to get lost in the department of the interior. So,
1: well, and okay. Not to put too fine a point of it, but 20% of the property of the land of the United States, it'd be easy for anybody to get lost.
0: lost, Yes. (laughs) Um, According to almost Every book and article I read, um, the person who was probably the most responsible for what eventually became the Department of Agriculture was President Abraham Lincoln. Um, Now, before Congress gave official recognition to the Department of Agriculture, Lincoln established it through a law, a different law that Congress passed. Uh, the Morrill Act in 1862. Um, And some listeners may know uh, the Morrill Act because that was the act that created land-grant universities um, throughout the country. Uh, Land-grant universities, um, uh, basically the way the land-grant program worked was the federal government would give up some of its land, (laughs) which we talked about, in our most recent podcast episode, right? Give up some of its land, but the states had to promise, okay, um, that they would build land grant universities on that property. And the purpose of those universities was to focus on the agricultural sciences.
1: Right. And modernly, they're they are sometimes referred to as moo Yus. Yes, ag schools. Um, yes. Ag schools yes. or moo Yus, moo yes. being cows, right? And yes. so, um, but they are a very proud, I mean, they, there is a proud network of institutions that that taught and still teach to this day very practical skills for agricultural businesses. They don't just teach the biology of agriculture but they also teach the business of agriculture and you know and the psychological and sociological aspects of food and food distribution like all of that goes into goes into ag schools so if you think that people are going to an ag school just to learn how to plant crops that is in fact not what they are doing they are going there to learn lots of different cool things Uh, we love land-grant institutions around here that's why the ultimate public university, right, is a land grant institution, and
0: so. and uh, uh, for listeners, um, uh, you know, two of my degrees are from one of Virginia's land grant universities, Virginia Tech University. Right. Okay, um, so after about twenty years of classic interest group politics, finally in eighteen eighty seven. The House of Representatives in the United States Senate uh, passed uh, separate bills that would give cabinet status to the Department of Agriculture and Labor. <laughs> so when it was first created, ag still was not a by itself. By, by itself, right? um um uh, and we will we will look at the uh, department of labor in a future episode okay um
1: but can we can we do you mind if i read the quote from the the department charge yeah go ahead um the department eight employees was that's how many they had eight employees they were charged with um research and development related to quote agriculture rural development aquaculture and human nutrition in the most general and comprehensive sense of those terms okay you eight people go figure out food
0: Yeah, 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 yeah right okay
1: i mean that's that's a big and, and when, by you the way... when and when anybody says the most general and comprehensive you're okay. like okay what you mean everything okay well
0: and think about rural development right i mean even at that point where the united states was comprised more of rural areas than urban areas okay you see this <laughs> you see this focus on rural development i mean this is part of the american dream myth in the united states right, right? okay is this idea that you can go to a small town a village OK, and you can, you know, uh, you know, buy a farm, feed your family, raise a family, et cetera, et cetera. You well, know, and so,
1: modernly, you yeah. can have broadband, you can have yes. transport, public transportation. transportation.
0: Like, yes,
1: rural yes. development is still going on today and is still a hot button issue for most local governments today, um, especially broadband in the era of COVID. When kids have to stay home, yes, they need to be able to have access to the Internet in a, you know, in a fast and useful way to be able to to go to school. Yes, but I and I love the name of the first appointed commissioner of the people's department, which is what Uh, Lincoln called it. His name is
0: Isaac Newton.
1: (laughs) And no, it's not not that Isaac. Newton. It's
0: not that Isaac Newton. (laughs) It's the
1: other Isaac.
0: It's the other one, right? Okay. I love that. Okay.
1: It's always, one of these early guys always has a cool, awesome, or interesting name.
0: Name, right? So, after Congress creates the department, again, this is classic bureaucratic politics, then Congress started, like, just adding stuff, right? You know, so, for instance, in 1914... Okay, and and this is important because Nee and I both are aware of this particular unit of the Department of Agriculture, the Smith lever act of 1914 funded cooperative extension services in each state to teach quote agriculture home economics and other subjects to the public
1: right. Yep, and that is still true today. today if you, 80. if you want to know how to grow tomatoes in your area, the extension office will tell you.
0: That's right. You,
1: you and there. I think a lot of the extensions, extension offices, are tied to universities, universities yes, and stuff like, to the land grants, right? Like it's a whole network system of how do we get information out into the local, into local hands of farmers and and. Just regular folk, like in terms of home economics, I'll tell you one of the coolest things that, I, that, that um, extension services do is they hold canning classes, and they will teach people how to can the vegetables, either that they buy from the store or from their own garden, wherever it is that you acquire vegetables, don't steal them, but wherever it is that you buy them, they will
0: yes, raise
1: them. them. They will teach you how to can them safely so that you can have vegetables in the winter, which trust me in 1914 was a huge deal. You needed to know. And if your mom didn't teach you And sorry, I'm not trying to be genderist, but it was generally your mom that taught you how to do that. If your mom didn't teach you, you needed to find somebody who would teach you. The extension offices would show you how to do stuff, come to your house and show you how to can things.
0: Uh, In a a previous professional life, um, I used to work at the Virginia Tech Richmond Center, and they had um, um, extension agents okay, at the Virginia Tech Richmond Center, and they will hold classes on gardening, okay, home gardens, okay, um, economics, okay, balancing your budget, exactly, budgeting, and okay, budgeting, um, how to do your taxes, okay, um, how to apply for uh, home loans, okay, all the kinds of, you know, stuff That when many of us become adults, society expects us to know how to do this stuff. Yep. But if we weren't taught this stuff in our families, okay, you would have, you know, agriculture extension agents or specialists, okay, who would hold classes.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Teach you how to sew.
0: Okay. How
1: to to repair clothing. Because back in the day, I know this is going to sound crazy to our listeners now. But back in the day, you didn't have that many clothes and you actually needed to prepare them. That's right. Because clothes were a lot more expensive than they are now. Now we have fast fashion and you can buy a t-shirt for $5. But back in the day, you didn't... It, well, first of all, $5 went a lot further. But also, you, you just didn't uh, have that sort of casual relationship with stuff. Can I tell you, though, that one of the best things that you put in here um is that the early version of the ag office of the, of the department of agriculture was given an office and then it was given a hunk of the mall behind the office to grow stuff yes to, to have a testing basically a test farm in the middle of washington dc which i love i love the idea that you're that you know you're riding downtown in your Ford Edsel or whatever it is in 1914. In and you go, past, you go past a corn crop where yeah, they're, they're testing different the, kinds of corn. In the nation's capital. Okay, <laughs> On yeah, the
0: mall. Mall, right? And okay. <laughs> guys, one of the cool things about the, the U.S. Department of Agriculture is for many Americans for years, USDA... Government officials were the face of government to the American population. Right, right.
1: And right. This, they were the local folk who came out and
0: because ag extension offices at one at one time in our country's history, okay, um, were in every county in each state. Right, right. Okay. They
1: were the federal government made real. As opposed to that thing out in Washington. Yes, and you think did. about if you're in Iowa in 1914, you're never going to see Washington. No. You're right? never going to go to Washington. The, the level of time that that would take away from the farm, the level of, of effort that it would take to get there. Most people didn't own a vehicle. Like you're talking about, no, that's just out of the question. This is
0: pre, pre-TV, pre-radio. Right. So, so you, get, you, may, you may have never seen your member of Congress. You may have never heard them, okay? Um, You may have read about them in a newspaper that was five, six, seven days old. Right. But in terms of who the government was, it was your extension agent.
1: It was the president and your extension agent.
0: Right, okay.
1: Those are the two people that you could name. Yes, right. Who's in charge of the government, Will? President such and such, and, and Bob, my local. <laughs> yes,
0: Bob Smith, okay, who runs the agriculture <laughs> office. And uh, by the and way. And he's a
1: real nice fellow.
0: He's a really <laughs> nice fellow. And by the way, he's got some really uh, interesting advice um, on our um, uh, uh, pepper plants. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. But, and the egg. Ag- the Agriculture Department played a huge role, and we kind of sort of touched upon this before in regards to the nation's response, the federal government's response to the Great Depression, right? You know, one of the core issues in the Great Depression is that many farmers, okay, initially saw the, uh, their, uh, uh, the prices for their goods, okay, go down. And many farmers would then can would grow even more crops in an attempt to go ahead and make up the loss.
1: Right. We have the Dust they, Bowl.
0: Yes, because they had they had loans. Right. So, you know, you know, if the price per you know, bushel of X okay, crop went down, well, then you grew more because you needed to make enough money to pay off the loan for your property, for your equipment, et cetera, et cetera. But all that did was increase supply when demand was either constant or declining. Okay, so it just became this perpetuating cycle. And eventually the United States Congress gave the Department of Agriculture the authority to impose caps or limits on what farmers with each crop could grow. Okay. Um, and this becomes extremely important, okay, in helping the nation's farmers get out from underneath the Great Depression. Now, it led to um some you know perverse behavior um, that you, Nia, you and I talked about. Um, in the infamous case of Wicker versus Filburn, where Roscoe Filburn, who grew extra wheat on his farm, was fined by the Department of Agriculture because he grew too much wheat, okay, and the United States Supreme Court said that was perfectly acceptable per Congress's Commerce Clause authority,
1: right? <laughs> Right. And the reason he grew that wheat was not to take the market. It was to feed his own family and his own livestock, his own livestock. Right. Which is why it makes me so aggravated. Okay. But, but But the, but the the,
0: greater point was the broader economic, that if everybody
1: did that, then it would drive the prices of wheat down and everybody would starve, right? right? All the farmers would starve. And I get, I do get where they're coming from, but I still have Yes, right? I still have frustration in my heart about it.
0: Okay, but I mean, the Department of Agriculture played a huge role, and and, and I found this stat, and me, I don't know if you, you noticed it in the research notes, as late as the Great Depression, farm work occupied a fourth of all Americans, one quarter of all Americans as recently as the Great Depression, right, and what you saw a lot with the Great Depression is that many young people who had left farms, you know, for a better life in the cities, actually returned home during the 1930s because they couldn't find work in the cities, okay?
1: Right, but that ended up making the Dust Bowl worse in some ways, because now you have more people trying to farm the the land, and you have a severe drought, like, Part of the pr- depression, I think, people don't realize, was a huge series of events that all came together in a yes. in yep. a bang 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 fashion, right? Because you get the depression, and then you get the Dust Bowl, and so you have all these pressures. That um, that's it's why work. whenever anybody says to me, "This is the worst time we've ever we've ever had in the United States," I'm like, oh... Ah. The Great Depression called, and it would like you to hold its beer, please, right? Like there's there's well, some I mean, other and the was, Civil War before yeah, that, when we were yeah. killing each other, brother to brother, right? So, um, but particularly with the Great Depression, the uh,
0: in in terms of agriculture, I mean, this is where you see a lot of the quote unquote great in migration in the United States. Okay, where you know farmers from, you know the the breadbasket of the United States. Okay, would go to California. Okies. Okay, the Okies. Okay, that would go to California. Okay, or you know they would go to the big cities in the upper Midwest, or you had the reverse migration of where a lot of young people who used to go, who went to cities for new opportunities, were returning home because they lost their jobs, but that put more economic pressure on the farms. Right, because you had more mouths to feed, okay. Um, You had more workers. I mean, hey, free, free, free labor, okay. But there's nothing for them to grow. That's right, okay. And the Department of Agriculture had to figure out a way how to get, okay, some stability in the agricultural markets. And they weren't, okay, they weren't always. you know the the most popular government officials (laughs) during the 1930s because they actually had to tell people who basically have spent all their life you can't grow right you can't do what you basically have been doing all your life all right um what a difficult job for a government official right um the last, the last, oh, but wait, can yeah. we?
1: Can we? The, the positive thing, one of the positive things that they did in 1923 was they established the Bureau of Home Economics. Yes. Um, which published shopping advice and recipes to stretch family budgets and make food go further. So if you wonder why your grandma puts breadcrumbs in meatloaf, it is because in 1923, the Bureau of Home Economics said, you know what you can do with that pound of meat? You can make it go further if you put bread in it. If you if you put beans and bread in it, you can stretch it out and it will it will feed more people. Like that.
0: Nia, I'm going to tell you. And story. those
1: are still skills that people use today to do, Nia, to stretch tell- for large families. I'm
0: going to tell you a story. My great-grandfather used to make, a big pot of vegetable soup, okay, for his family. And um, I would ask him, you know, why did certain vegetables go into your vegetable soup? And I remember him telling me that during the Great Depression, there was an ag agent who went ahead and came around to all of the families in the small town that I grew up in and said, don't throw away, okay, you know, you know, the leftover parts of vegetables. You can put it into a soup, and with a little bit of chicken broth, you can go ahead and make a big pot of chicken soup that you, uh, chicken vegetable soup, chicken broth vegetable soup, okay, that will feed your family for the rest of the week, okay, because sometimes I would be like, you know, I'm tasting X in this. And, you know, my great grandfather would be like, well, I had a little bit of leftover, blah, 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 when I made this. So I just went ahead and threw it in the soup. Right.
1: (laughs) Why are there beets in this soup? Because that's (laughs) what I had left over. And,
0: and, and but I remember him saying there was, there was an ag agent. Okay. Who was just like, if you know, if you want to stretch your, you know, which no.
1: everybody did, it didn't matter whether you still had a job or not, not yeah, that's right, whether you were still doing okay or not, because you could be next. That's the other thing with the depression was that you know people who were employed
0: they were, were empo- waiting to
1: be unemployed,
0: like yeah. they were employed one week okay and they would show up to work on Monday, and they were told you no longer have a job, right, right. Or so, no
1: work for you this week. Come back next week. Next That's week. the other thing, which next is week. even worse because then it's uneven.
0: Yes. Okay. You might
1: get work. You might not. So yeah, stretching. So I do. I like that. There's a Bureau of Home Economics about stuff like that. Um, now we have YouTube for that. We have the internet, which will tell you how to stretch things, and th- th- it's good. I'm just saying, if you, if you want to know how to stretch a recipe, there are plenty of, right. of advice. Uh, columns on the internet that will show you how to add things or um, yeah or stretch stuff to make it go further if you're hitting tough economic times because some people are experiencing that now now not at that level probably but But, i
0: mean it's part of the narrative of the evolution of the department of agriculture right um uh in, in 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 listeners uh, both Nia and I are of an age to where um, I don't know about you, but definitely for me, uh, w- one of the electives in my high school was home economics.
1: Yeah, it was in my middle school. It wasn't in okay. my high school, and, but and, and I don't know that they do that anymore, which I think is a little sad because I learned how to write checks, how to balance a checkbook, right? How to do your yes. Take your statement at the end of the month and balance everything. Make sure that everything was right. I know people probably don't do that much anymore. And then how to make a weekly food budget and how to, yes. how to plan meals to use something more than once so that you didn't waste anything. And they also taught basic cooking skills and they taught basic sewing skills in my class. Yes. Is that the kind of stuff you learned?
0: That's the stuff we learned. Uh, we also learned basic food security. I mean, you know how to go ahead and make sure that you know the food you prepare, uh, you prepared, was stored correctly, so that uh, when you would eat leftovers in the future, you wouldn't get sick.
1: Oh, food safety! Yeah, uh, I say, okay.
0: and and and. and
1: uh, well, and, that's a good idea because.
0: I mean, well, I mean, and and, and the, just the, for
1: our college listeners who may think that it's okay to leave a pizza on your dorm room table for three days and still eat it, please don't.
0: No, yeah, don't do that. Don't do right? that. Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: We did that and we survived. But but it's it, not a thing we would encourage you to do. No,
0: right? Okay. Um, <laughs> the last thing I want to mention in, in regards to the evolution of the Department of Agriculture is uh, some uh, significant changes um, during, once again, the uh, presidential administration of Lyndon Baines Johnson. I
1: mm-hmm. think he snow globed huge parts of the government, didn't he? He just picked them up and shook them really hard oh, and then put he, them back down he, to see what would happen.
0: He 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 was always experimenting. He <laughs> was uh well, I mean, hey, I mean, he was a proud, if you will, um a believer in the New Deal. Okay. Yeah. And he thought that, you know, the government could be uh a positive change agent. And you see this when LBJ convinced Congress to pass the Food Stamp Act in 1964. And by the way, the Food Stamp Act had a dual purpose, okay?
1: Yeah, On it one, wasn't just about feeding making sure that poor people had people something to eat.
0: eat. He was trying to go ahead and pump up the agricultural industry. Okay, because in many ways, LBJ was a product of the South. And historically in the United States, okay, agriculture dominated the South. And LBJ wanted to bring the South into the 20th century. And he thought one of the one of the most effective ways was to go ahead and encourage the South to be more economically efficient and productive. And what better way to do it than to increase the demand by giving poorer Americans an ability to do what? Buy food. Buy food. Okay.
1: That, that will pay farmers that will encourage agriculture, right? It's
0: grocers. Okay. Etc. The whole system truck driving,
1: like (laughs) all of it Yes all of the delivery mechanisms, everything, but what's interesting about the Food stamp act is that it it um, or rather food stamps and what modernly would be called snap or Ebt uh, there are things that you can't buy on that yes, um and there are things that are less expensive to buy on that, like it encourages you to to buy vegetables it encourages you to buy healthier foods under the theory that that's just better nutritionally yes for people um but like you can't buy alcohol with that even though you can buy alcohol in a grocery store you can't use this program to buy those to buy alcohol it has to be food it has to be again going back to what, what industry are you trying to goose, right? You're trying to goose the agriculture industry.
0: And recipients of, of, of SNAP do complain that Big Brother is telling them what they can and cannot consume. Right. But it's the logic of many federal government programs, which is left to your, your own devices. You may not make good choices. So we may have to incentivize you to make better choices.
1: Yeah, I have to say that that's, I know you're going to talk about some controversies um, about ag, and that's one of my sort of mild controversies, is I kind of sort of think, okay, but if an adult, like they should be able to decide what they want to do with that money, but there's also a part of me that says, "No, I understand why the government doesn't let you buy alcohol with that. Alcohol is a luxury, and it's not trying to be. Uh, for instance, SNAP is supplemental nutritional assistance. Yes, it's not. It's not saying it's going to be all, but it wants to be the food part of whatever it is that you're. So I know like certain sodas don't count for SNAP." And things like that. Similarly, because they are, sorry, because corporations will happily feed you completely bankrupt, <laughs> non-nutritional food. Yes. Or, or
0: empty food, calories.
1: Yep. Food stuffs, right? Yep. Like what, yep. what is it uh, on the box of a well-known melty substance is called cheese food?
0: Yes. Cheese if they food. have to tell
1: you that it's food, that <laughs> should be a warning. I think.
0: <laughs> yes. Um,
1: <laughs> but. So there's like, I can see where that's controversial. And I know you've got a, another controversy you want to bring up, but that's something that I think is somewhat controversial. Also, um, ketchup is not a vegetable. Like sometimes th- that's been, there've been political yeah, machinations that have gone into- Scientists
0: will technically say that tomatoes which is the basis of most ketchups is fruit is a fruit right okay so you know (laughs) during the reagan administration (laughs) right in regards to the um school lunches school lunches (laughs) okay ketchup got relabeled or recategorized as a fruit okay and not a vegetable though most american consumers view tomatoes as what Nia? a vegetable
1: a but vegetable. even but, and, but they don't view ketchup as a vegetable no ketchup it, is a condiment but it is funny to me that the but, political but, so but we're not it, saying that ag is without its it, it, m- political machinations
0: yes i mean it's it, it's like any act, it's like any government department yeah okay? politics is going to affect the work that it does,
1: right? Just like what you were saying with the food stamp act, really great for poor people, right? We're going to make sure that poor people have access to food, but it's also serving capitalism in that we're going oh, to we're going to goose all I mean, of was, the agricultural it, it, industry.
0: It, it was one of the ways LBJ was able to sell it to Congress,
1: right? Because, he could get
0: because there people were who members, are more
1: conservative online with saying you know
0: because there were members of Congress who had businesses, agricultural <laughs> businesses, who would be like, yes, you should support this, because that means we have more consumers, okay, that have money to buy our products.
1: Right, which will benefit me personally, so thank you very much.
0: Yes, and um, this is benefiting your constituents, and you want to get reelected.
1: <laughs> I so, it, so it's always there's always nuance to the government yes. but um but for the most part ag yeah. has done an admirable job admirable job with the knowledge that they had at the time people complain that during the dust bowl they didn't do more to prevent the dust bowl well first of all i don't know that the department of ag could prevent a drought if they could they would be doing that right now in the west um, but also we didn't know as much about crop rotation as we do now. We didn't know as much about about letting the soils rest and planting different things in different places that we do now. That's so, right. uh, you know, I think we should give them a little bit of a break on that, that they didn't really, those things just hadn't been explored as much as they have now.
0: And, and science doesn't solve every problem. Exactly.
1: Right? That's and the then, other part of that. Yep.
0: Okay. And, you know, uh, you know, I can be told all the time that I need to get, you know, more than six hours of sleep every night.
1: Okay? <laughs> tell it, tell it to the middle of the night, Peter Lorre movie that you're watching, watching, you know, right? or, or like, no, no, just another hour. Cause I love the next set of scenes.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, you know, last night, you know uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Turner classic movies um, had a bunch of Humphrey Bogart movies. Oh, right? well, Okay, I don't
1: know what they expected you to do besides stay up and watch, them. watch right? Okay, <laughs> and, and I had
0: quizzes to grade. Okay, um, you know, hey, you do the math, right? Yeah, work okay. to do,
1: and bogey in the background who's not going to stay up?
0: Okay, though I'm fully aware of the fact that you know, even at my advanced age, I'm supposed to get <laughs> okay, somewhere around seven and a half to eight hours of sleep a night.
1: That I don't know some people like doesn't doesn't president trump get like three hours of sleep a night or something and yeah i seem to remember that lee iacocca said something about that at one point that he got on the three or four hours of sleep
0: science also tells us that if you're not getting a lot of sleep you make poor decisions
1: <laughs> okay, fair point. In okay. in, in actually, okay. maybe both of those cases. But anyway, before well, um, we
0: conclude the episode, I want to touch upon a few controversies because we we typically do this with every cabinet department, right?
1: Okay, so you're you're going to skip the units? Uh,
0: okay. Uh, yeah. Well, we can talk about the units. um
1: I just like their names. Their names make me happy. They're uh, all Aggie sounding to me.
0: Yeah. So we got food production and conservation. Pretty straightforward, rural development. Okay, which we've already discussed. Food, nutrition, and consumer services,
1: and by consumer services, the people who put the labels on your food.
0: Oh yes,
1: right. The uh. mystery, the labels, where which are nothing but controversy. Which I'm sure Aggie, excuse me, Aggie's Aggie, Aggie is going to talk about it in a sec. But the labels are a whole controversial issue of their own. Well, I mean. It, And again, you want to talk about the politics, right? Right.
0: (laughs) So every so many years, by law, the Department of Agriculture is required to go ahead and review the labels they require uh, manufacturers to put on food items, right? And when they come out with the initial list, okay, Nia, you would swear that, you know, we are proposing the Third World War
1: every every interest group
0: oh my goodness
1: has so much commentary to make about about the labels and the order that they should be the order of the label and what should be bold and whether it should be counted in grams or micrograms or whatever and i mean it's just it's a I feel certain that the person whose job that is is like, please don't make me do this this year, please. Can we just yeah. put it off till next year? Maybe somebody else will be in the job by then. Like, can I have a lateral transfer to a different <laughs> unit? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> right. Okay. I would like to be. I would like to be moved to uh, anywhere else. Can yeah, I go anywhere else? Um, and mean, then, and I mean, also I mean, food safety, which is one of the other ones that you, yes. that you have on here, the Best Buy day. If you want to spark drama, oh, oh, what you do is it's like a grenade, right? Like when you pull the pin out of a grenade and you throw it into a group of people. What you do is take a bunch of those lobbyists and throw in a group, uh, throw in a can that says Best Buy, and then whatever date you want to put on it, and just watch them go to town with what does that even mean and what does that? Yes,
0: okay. And can I'm- a
1: consumer eat it after that? Is it safe? Is it? Yes. You know, oh my great googly mooglies.
0: Okay. I mean I mean
1: See, people think ACK is not exciting, but it is. Oh yeah. I mean, because I <laughs> I, I recall <laughs> it's not the, just watching plants grow.
0: <laughs> I recall Nia the last time uh the uh, uh consumer services unit um was uh they had drafted um new regulations about labels, right? And I recall reading a a psychologist trade group who went ahead and said that these labels are way too long because most Americans, okay,
1: won't read this. Won't read this much, right? Oh my gosh, that's sad. Okay. Oh. (laughs) Okay. That makes me sad for my future. Okay,
0: but there are other units: uh, natural resources in the environment, which, by the way. Is one of the big controversies in regards to the Department of Agriculture because environmental groups have complained for years that the Department of Agriculture is too connected with industry. Mm. So instead of um, incentivizing environmentally friendly farming practices, they continue to go ahead and support the most economic efficient agricultural practices.
1: Right. Keep your cows out of rivers, except, <laughs> except they don't make that a requirement.
0: No. So, and so,
1: yeah, so you get rivers that get excrement and, and, and a variety of things like that. Yes. Pesticides, right? I mean, for years, we love the Department of Ag, but for years, even though they knew that DEET was a problem, they didn't do anything about it
0: well because the
1: agricultural industry
0: well just think about farm runoff right okay um you know we're recording in uh central virginia uh one of the closest if you will um uh, environmentally sensitive areas is the chesapeake bay and farm runoff for years okay Algae
1: blooms and killed
0: fish. Fish and, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, But again, it's more economically efficient to basically just allow farms uh, to, you know, produce runoff and not worry about the consequences. Right. right? Or
1: uh, giant pig poo pools in North Carolina. Carolina, yes. That that affect groundwater.
0: Yep. Um, But you have uh, also marketing and regulatory programs. By the way, this is also controversial. (laughs) Okay. Is it? Marketing programs. The US Department of Agriculture forces certain agricultural industries to pay, if you will, a surcharge so that the Department of Agriculture can market on their behalf. But some of the firms within those industries either don't like how the Department of Agriculture markets their industry. Or would prefer to go ahead and market by themselves. Hmm. So they don't wanna pay the surcharge. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at you, um, uh, grape growers in California.
1: Ah, so they okay. feel like they're getting shaken down a little bit.
0: Yeah, they're because they're like, you know, why do we have to go ahead and pay the surcharge? Okay. We when don't you need, don't, we don't need the marketing efforts and we don't like your marketing efforts. Let's face <laughs> right. it, okay. You know, you know the demand for you know from
1: Americans to buy and eat grapes hasn't changed. Yeah, we don't need to pay for this. Yes, you're not improving our sales.
0: Okay, and 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 by the way, the last unit is extremely important in regards to foreign trade, trade and foreign agricultural affairs, because this is one of the first unit units that gets consulted anytime. A presidential administration negotiates a trade deal, okay? Because this has- How
1: is it going to hurt our farmers if we allow- Yes. Okay. Okay. And I assume that they are also the people who set the rules for customs so that when you bring something into the country and you say, it's it's just- kudzu it won't be a problem Yeah, right. <laughs> that they're like no no we've seen that plant before and it is a problem yeah. right or whatever yeah. i'm assuming they set the rules for that sort of thing as well or at least they have some involvement in it
0: they they have a required involvement uh, customs and uh, border patrol have to consult with them before they set up any new regulations uh regarding the import of of foodstuffs <laughs> plants. Yeah, please
1: don't. If you're thinking I'm going to slip over the border to Belize and I'm going to pick up banana tree and bring it home, don't.
0: Don't. Yeah. It's just,
1: just it's yeah. just hard, but don't.
0: Yeah.
1: Do us all a favor. But the biggest, it strikes me that the biggest problem um that the Department of Agriculture has had to deal with over the years is discrimination.
0: Yes. Right. Um,
1: it, it's farmers of color not being treated equally to white farmers is that
0: yes um um, there have been a series of lawsuits um um since the 1980s but this really became um a significant legal issue in the 1990s where a number of 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 trade groups representing first african-american farmers Uh, But then the lawsuits were expanded to also include um, Native Americans, women, um, and uh, Hispanics. Um, There were allegations that the Department of Agriculture um, uh, uh, discriminated against them in the issuance of loans.
1: So that... Brings us to okay, so you know how at the beginning we were harping about the money and $141 billion. A huge portion of that, yes, is in loans to farmers. And what happens with farmers is you have your piece of property and you have to borrow money to get seeds Mm -hmm. and fertilizer. Mm -hmm. And water rights if you don't have water rights, right? So you have to pay for those things ahead of getting the crop it, and
0: equipment. Let's not forget equipment. Oh, right. So and your reaches, equipment, right. Okay. And your equipment. And so, so borrowing against the future, the predicted right. or projected revenue stream. Okay.
1: Right. And like loans of all kinds in the United States, home loans, business loans, um, persons of color have seen discrimination from the beginning of the country, right? Sure. It's yes. It's been, if you were a, a young African-American man who wanted to start a bank, good luck. You, yes. you would struggle to get a loan to do that. Um, and that's just a systemic racism problem that we've had in the United States for a long time. Uh, but in this instance, we're talking billions of dollars that yeah. were selectively given to some people and not for to others and it, it changes a lot about what you can do with farming it it changes whether you can buy more property and have a bigger farm right like it, it's all these dynamics of farming are dependent a, on those first few loans to get you rolling and to yes
0: can you take a chance on an experimental crop right okay etc um um and And what was, and again, a lot of the loan discrimination that Nia you just described um, occurred historically in the private sector, but this was the federal government, okay, that was running loan programs. And by the way, it wasn't just for agriculture; it was for rural development. And rural development loans in many small communities are is the loan program to fund small business entrepreneurs okay, which a lot of Americans don't know that when they get a small business loan from their local bank, it's being either subsidized or the money's coming directly from the federal government. Right. But if the federal government, okay, has requirements that benefit one race more than another, okay, and eventually, um, uh, 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 the Supreme Court, um, What's the case I'm looking for? Uh uh there was it, a, it was a class action lawsuit, uh Pigford versus Glickman.
1: Which by the way, Pigford, one of my again favorite names in
0: Oh yes, yeah. Okay. Um uh uh, uh th- that's one of the joys of us doing this series <laughs> is we come across these names and we're just like that that's, that's a, a
1: great name, name
0: right? <laughs> um but in 1999. um uh, the federal government settled uh, a class action lawsuit brought by African American farmers, and the USDA agreed to a billion dollar settlement and that wasn't enough money Nia uh, the federal uh, The federal court that was handling the class action lawsuit determined um, that um, uh, the liability the federal government's liability was so much greater that 12 years later, okay, in the second round of the Pigford class action lawsuit, Congress stepped up and allocated an additional $1.25 okay,
1: but in actuality, it only ended up being about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars per farmer. farmer. Yes. Which, if you know anything about farming, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a big farm is nothing. Like, nothing. you will spend a million dollars a year putting in crops, it, and harvesting. then getting out like and harvesting, harvesting
0: getting them taking to, the, to market, all that other them. stuff. I mean, yeah. it,
1: it's a it's an expensive business to. Break into if you are disadvantaged yes. in some way.
0: And one last controversy, and you know how I love ironies in regards to government. Ah, okay. oh, the government. Okay. One of the greatest ironies, public health ironies in the United States in our country's history, is at the same time certain government agencies were saying. That tobacco products, particularly smoking,
1: cause cancer? That'd be the Surgeon General. That would be the Surgeon This causes cancer. We're gonna put a label on it that says this causes cancer. USDA was doing what, Augie?
0: <laughs> was subsidizing tobacco farming well into the late 1990s.
1: Right. <laughs> this is not, this is only 20 years ago, folks. Yes, they stu- and even though we've known since the 70s.
0: Oh, wait a minute the the first the first Surgeon General report that concluded that there was more than likely causation between tobacco and cancer. Okay
1: was issued in the 1950s, right? Yeah, but I'm talking about your average person.
0: Person. Okay. Your average
1: that. person in the mid-70s the started saying,
0: yes, whoa, this isn't
1: and they started taking them the ads off of TV, yes, and out of magazines. Yes. And they started yes. saying, gosh, it's really bad for you. And for another 20 years, yes. USDA was like, yeah, but we'll still pay for it.
0: And again, you know
1: why? Because the tobacco lobby in this nation was so incredibly strong. Oh, well, but also, and held a huge number of Southern senators and congressmen. Well, tobacco farmers.
0: I mean, tobacco farmers, okay, had a powerful group of people. Yeah, had some of the best lobbyists that put pressure on, you know, members of Congress. And again, this is how Congress works. You had senior members of Congress who were chairing in the House and the Senate either agriculture committees or agricultural subcommittees that control the budget for federal agencies right so, we, so even if the Department of Agriculture wanted to get out of tobacco farming
1: they weren't okay. they weren't gonna until weren't, until the public tide turned enough that's right okay that they could that they could get out but can Can we say that I I agree with you that that's one of the greatest. I I want to mention one more though, before we go. And that is this idea that somehow the farm bills are subsidizing small farmers. Oh, they don't. They are not. They are subsidizing the evil Monsanto and all the other agribusiness, ConAgra, all those other who have millions of acres of farm and are making money hand over fist and being subsidized yes i am not a fan and i will straight up say that so Conagra, feel free to sue me um you won't get anything because i don't have anything but um good luck with that but it's well, I'm. Critical. I'm not sure that I think critical. that we should be subsidizing. Similarly, I don't think we should subsidize BP to pull oil out of the ground. They make plenty of money without any effort.
0: I am critical of corporate welfare. Right. Okay.
1: Of all of it.
0: Okay. And, have, and this
1: is one of those instances.
0: I have a problem when the government subsidizes behavior that the market already indicates the behavior will occur. Right
1: yeah people are gonna buy food (laughs) 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 turns out people will still eat okay even if you don't subsidize okay the eating they will
0: eat if we want if we want to encourage people to enter a market and we want to subsidize that behavior that's fine but we already have for instance with agriculture a well-developed market dominated by corporations I'm not thinking that they're just going to go ahead and decide tomorrow, "Hey, we're no longer going to go ahead and make billions of dollars every year. Okay, we're going to shift over to a different industry." No, they're not going to stop doing that. So right. why the hell are we subsidizing that stuff? Right. Right. Okay, that's, you know, that kind of crony or corporate capitalism, okay, just just drives me nuts. Yeah. Because you You have the government basically telling us, as taxpayers, we need to incentivize this behavior. I'm like, no, we don't. They're right. already in the market. they're already engaged in the behavior. Why are we incentivizing this behavior
1: right and it's not just this this industry we're picking no, on no, no no, we're picking no, on all we, the industries yes, where right? that happens. It's not just ag and agriculture industries, there's also um oil energy uh. Um, subsidies there's car maker subsidy there's
0: transportation like those those
1: folks aren't going to stop making cars they don't need
0: okay Um, the
1: airlines like there's a lot of industries where we could rethink how much they get subsidized and whether that's an acceptable use of of um And that's in part because Augie and I are both relatively conservative financially, and I think we both are like, wait, do you really need those subsidies, because if you don't, I have other places where we could use the money because I just almost lost my car to a pothole in Richmond the other day, so I'm just saying. And one last thing that I want to throw out here that Augie's got in his notes and I want to put it on the record for clarification. You will hear people say that there is a huge amount of waste, fraud, and abuse in the SNAP program. The percentage of that is actually
0: very low. Oh, it's one of the lowest of all federal government entitlement programs.
1: Does Mm -hmm. some of it happen? Of course. Because guess what? Fraud. Wherever there's money, there's fraud. Like that's just a natural human skimming off the top kind of thing that I have five dollars
0: in my wallet okay if my daughter thought that she could go ahead and take a buck or two and have me not notice <laughs> she's going to take it and I think my daughter is generally a good kid
1: right okay? but, but you know human nature prevails right? um, so we're not saying that it's perfect program but we are saying that don't let voices tell you that it's not worthy because it is rife with with fraud it is not rife with fraud and it is a worthy program because we should make sure that everyone in this country has something to eat that people don't go hungry at night that's yes that's just a basic human decency that we should we should look after each other for
0: and you know and if you
1: can come up with a better way to do it i'm all
0: ears okay but again in the united states unlike other western democracies we generally create welfare programs where we transfer money to those people, right? And have them make decisions right on how they're going to spend money. Okay. Now, if we wanted a more regulated system, we could have it. Okay. But then oh my leaving.
1: gosh, boxes of food that come to your house with whatever we tell you to eat. That's right. And do we really want to go ahead
0: and enforce that kind of independence limiting behavior? I'm not entirely sure that that would fly all too well in a country like the United States that tends to put a heavy premium on liberty.
1: Yeah, I'd rather have the waste, fraud, and abuse at a small level than the somebody tells me what to eat because they know better than I do what's good for me yeah. thing.
0: I mean, I if mean, given
1: those choices, I'm purely American and then I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to, I'll was, decide that for myself. And again, there are
0: trade offs. Okay, right. and we're talking about what departments do and the policies that they create, okay, Let's take a look at the trade offs. I mean, if we wanted to go ahead and reduce the limited amount of waste fraud and abuse in the uh, in the Department of Agriculture snap program, we probably could, but we would have to spend millions of dollars to do that right okay <laughs>
1: right. Is okay. the policing effort worth what you would save, okay, in the in the theoretical waste, fraud, and abuse.
0: Abuse, okay. And again, every reputable study that I could get my hands on has suggested, okay, the SNAP program has some of the the lowest amount of waste, fraud, and abuse of any federal government entitlement program, right? Um, because you know, you know what the attitude is of most Americans who receive SNAP benefits is. Thank you.
1: Right. Gratitude.
0: Right. I can feed my kids tonight. Okay. I don't have to look across the kitchen table and see hunger in my children's eyes. Right. Okay. Um, that's gratitude. Okay. And that's a good thing. Right. Okay. Yep. Um, not a so- bad, Yeah.
1: So for all of its controversies and for all of its and uh, and just for my personal aggravation on the label thing, um, (laughs) which I will take to my grave. They still do. They still do good work and they still it's still a valuable and important agency.
0: Thinking about the label thing. okay. again, I'm not the brightest apple in the barrel, but I have like multiple college degrees. And I got to be honest with you, Nia. Sometimes okay.
1: you don't understand it, do you?
0: I, I, I'm reading, you know, labels on food items I bought, and I'm like, I'm not entirely sure what this is. <laughs> right,
1: right. Okay. right. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Now okay. I don't know. Oh okay. my it, 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 And we I, didn't even talk about the nutrition triangle. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> which we which is this whole episode on its own. We should because. Go ahead. We we will do an episode on that y'all okay. um, because as, that has changed over the years.
0: As an example of bureaucratic politics, okay? Right. The nutri, you know, the the the, the food triangle okay, <laughs> is an excellent example of bureaucratic politics. Yep. Okay.
1: We will talk about that in another episode. All right, thank Nina. you so much, Augie. This has been wonderful.
0: Well, thank you Neil.
1: And I'll see you for the next department.
0: All right.